HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. This show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people who we have the great fortune of learning from on a regular basis. On today's show, we welcome Martha Holmberg, food editor, cookbook author, recipe developer, and the CEO of IACP, the International Association of Culinary Professionals. In today's episode, we'll learn what is a culinary professional, what is IACP, Julia's connection to IACP's 40th anniversary, and we'll hear Martha's Julia moment. Stay tuned to learn what is a Julia moment. In our first segment on Inside Julia's Kitchen, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. Being professional mattered to Julia. While people often perceive that Julia was improvising on TV, nothing could be further from the truth. Julia was a consummate over-preparer. She approached being a food writer and television presenter, teacher as she saw it, with the utmost competency. Being understood as someone serious, as she used to put it, was very important to her. Further, being a member of a profession, of a band of professional food writers and educators, was equally important to Julia. Not only were they her kind of people, her tribe, but Julia was instrumental in wanting to change the perception of people like her from being hobbyists to being professionals engaged in a career, just like a lawyer, doctor, accountant, journalist. Enter the IACP, an organization that Julia had an outsized hand in shaping, and as both Julia's career and influence grew, with leadership from culinary greats like Jacques Pepin and Willen, IACP was instrumental in establishing, in quote, working in food as a profession, beyond the more narrow confines of being a chef or restaurateur. Today, Martha Holmberg is here to tell us more about where ICP has been and where it's going in today's multifaceted food world. Welcome to the podcast, Martha. Thank you very much, Todd. Happy to be here. It's great to have you on to hear more about the latest at IACP as it proudly turns 40 years young. So tell us, what is and what isn't IACP? Well, first of all, I'm glad that you're positioning 40 as being young. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we, like, uh, we like that concept. Um, well, I'll tell you what IACP isn't. It's not what it sounds like. <laughs> we, our name, we have the longest name, as you just uh, recited, and I think it can be a tiny bit misleading because a culinary professional sounds like a chef, right? 
And while we do have um, many chefs as members, we're mostly about the communication side of the culinary world. And that's really what, that's what uh, the way you just described Julia's concept along with Jacques and Anne and those early founders, it really was, um, they focused on the communication side. So teaching, writing, you know, publishing, that was, um, that's the aspect of this wonderful culinary world we're in that ICP focuses on. Well, that no, that's a really helpful distinction. I almost feel like the C should stand for communications, but then then adding another C wouldn't wouldn't make the acronym well, we anymore. Do, no, listen, every every board meeting, we're like, should we should we change the letters? Should we change the name? But you know, IECP just as an acronym has so much power now after forty years that I think we're just going to stick with it. No problem. And and maybe you could, I think that's helpful to, to, to define ICP as like who the membership is made of and who it speaks to. But maybe I think for many of our listeners, they won't be familiar with it that, that much if they're not already a food or culinary professional. But what is it as an organization? What does it do? Well, as an organization, um, I mean, it does what our mission statement does, which is really easy to understand <clears throat> and so great to just have as a touchstone. It's we help our members get more work and do it better. And we do that through this really powerful combination of education. You know, we have conferences and webinars and um, opportunities for really top-notch people in the industry to share their knowledge and their skills, so on the education side. And then what I find the most exciting is just that networking, and I know that sounds kind of like a dry term or, you know, networking is a little bit overused, but what really happens is that people, members, come together face-to-face, which we don't do that much anymore because we're all, you know, living in our virtual worlds, and, and, and just kind of magic happens when everybody's together because ICP members really are genuinely supportive of each other, so... You know, if I'm someone who's a little farther along in my career, I'm looking to help someone who's, you know, coming up. So during the networking, so many exciting collaborations take place. You know, I've had um, members tell me that they go to conference and they leave after three days with a year's worth of work assignments, you know, if they're a freelance writer, for example. So so there's, you know, you you can keep up with what is absolutely the latest and the cutting edge in terms of the issues that people are talking about or technology, you know, especially now with so much digital technology, you got to, you got to run just to keep in place. Right. Um, but the networking and that personal interaction is fantastic. Well, I also think the networking when you're talking about, as, as we're talking today to try to kind of understand what is a culinary professional and what does that mean? And I think that's really helpful putting the, the, the communication side of it, but for networking too, a good, I don't know, let's say 50% of people who fall into that category often work independently, either from home or in a very small group. So now many of them maybe less and less, but in the past, you know, we're also um, editors at food magazines or food publications. But as that's changed, obviously being able to come together with a larger group of peers when you're often working either remotely or very independently is extremely valuable. Oh, absolutely. And there are people that, um, you know, me personally and, and others, you see them once a year at ICP, but you, you know, you're so bonded with them. Um, and it's it's really powerful to see them again. And, you know, there always have been a lot of freelancers. You know, cookbook authors are generally lone wolves working on their own. Uh, but now, as you said, with the kind of disintegration of traditional publishing, lots of people are, are freelancer independent now, whereas in the past they would have been on a staff and, you know, had that cohort to um, to hang out with and get inspired by. So being able to come and see your tribe, as you've described, you know, use that word with Julia, um, is is really really important. Do, do you, and would you think the role or or the way people have interacted with IACP has changed a, a lot in that disintegration of of traditional food media, or do do you think there's always been an element that 
or of the membership that wasn't directly involved, so it's kind of the same. What what what's your take from from your seat? Yeah, you know what's really cool, and I've been thinking about that a lot, Todd, recently because you know because the communications world is changing so rapidly, and what what is so cool is that I feel like ICP is back to us, back to its original mission, back to the way you set us up just a little while ago about how Julia's. Um, intention was to give professional status and, you know, and sort of elevate what was seen back in that day as, you know, a hobbyist um, with all the blogging and microblogging and, you know, the sort of new micro publishing platforms. You hear, um, you know, early on it was like, oh, bloggers, they're just playing around. They're just, you know, doing things for fun. But that is really a powerful and important new element in in our world. And I think that ICP, I think a lot of those bloggers and influencers, we call them now, um, they look to ICP as a way to kind of get credibility and to really step up their game and to make sure they really are, you know, able to write a crack recipe and, um, you know, and they're worthy for a book deal. So it's really fun to watch this kind of new wave of, of a type of um, culinary person rolling into it, rolling into our industry and then folding right into ICP and seeing the value there from us. Also need to see that IACP could is a broad enough umbrella that as a major part of the industry it was representing has changed, it, it's changing with it and able to change and adapt to it. Yes, it is. And it, it is, I mean, you know, cause it's, we're all about the membership itself. It's, you know, the constituent parts are going to create the whole, right? Um, but something else that I've noticed that is that I think was really reflective of the last, you know, 10 years, five years, is just a much greater emphasis on the visual um, because photography and video is just, like, so pervasive now. You know, back in the day, you would write and somebody else would take care of the photography and the publisher would pull it together, and, you know, we still had photographers and stylists as members. But now, so many of us are doing our own. You know, definitely, if you're a, an Instagrammer, you, there's some amazing photographers in that world. Um, but even a, you know, a traditional writer might be asked to be much more deeply involved in the visual side of things. Um, and that's really cool. You know, we, we, anytime I put a video class in one of the conferences or food styling, you know, they're the first to fill up. So people are, people are hungry for that knowledge and skill and it's really fun to deliver. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because blog, blog, blogging first kind of made the food writer think about being their own photographer because it was just cost effective and then publishers were making it cost effective and technology was making it easier to take a good quality photograph. And then sort of Instagram raised that bar another higher because you could really communicate with an audience through your own photography. Absolutely. You became your own publisher and that's, that's the way it is with quite a bit of, um, you know, through technology and just through the way information travels now, you know, you can, what you do on Facebook is essentially publishing. Um, and I think that the other thing that is, is a reflection of how, how the industry is changing is what you said earlier. There, there are more freelancers, there are more independents, um, than there were before. And so every, you know, every dollar counts, that, that can be a challenge, um, to come to conference because it's an investment of time and money, but you know, it's so important to have those, to be able to be face to face with the people who we call them the check writers, <laughs> you know, the yeah. people who are going to hire a writer or a photographer or, or, or marketing, you know, marketing is an aspect of ICP and of culinary communication. That's also really important and creative and kind of, you know, is the glue that makes, makes everything else go around or hang together. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit more about how IACP has evolved and the different things it's offering, but I also know that it's helpful to kind of go from the personal to the to the general. And so let, let's just take a step back and how did you first start getting involved with IACP? What's your story? Well, my story, my 
my first awareness of it came when I was working as an intern for Anne Willen, you know very well, um, and the founder of Lover and Cooking School and a prolific publisher. I wanted to attend her school in France, and in exchange, I worked as an intern. Um, and so you, I think at that time, Anne may have been the, the president of the board of IACP. So I was aware of it. And then when I actually, several years later, got into publishing, I was an editor at um, Fine Cooking Magazine, which is published by the Taunton Press. And I remember going to my first ICP conference in 1993 in San Francisco at the Fairmont Hotel. And I was a brand new editor. I had never been in the publishing world. I came right out of um, working in London, actually, for a publisher, but I didn't knew nothing about magazines. And so I land at ICP, and I just started learning right away. I started being introduced to people and, you know, learning things from the top, from the... Um, from the sessions, but in particular, you know, that, that experience when I was an editor, that started an annual trek to the ICB conference because I could meet writers and photographers and other contributors who would, who then I would use in the pages of Ice, of uh, Fine Cooking Magazine. So it was really, you know, we would bring our whole staff there year after year um, because it was just so juicy, you know, it was like so fertile in terms of, finding people to work with in collaborations, and also, you know, waving, raise, waving the flag. Um, it's great to get your brand out there because that's where it's sort of the heart of the industry is gathering. So I went for a long time, um, gosh, up until 2012 when I was enlisted to be a volunteer again. See, it's, it's, <laughs> these volunteer experiences can turn out as something really good. So I, I was a volunteer program director. So I helped select all the speakers and the sessions for um, a conference in New York City in 2012 as a volunteer. And then, as they say, I drank the Kool-Aid because it was so much fun to work on that side and so exciting and such an opportunity to meet so many interesting people. I drank the Kool-Aid and joined the staff. So I have been on the paid staff side of ICP for the last, I think, four years, three or four years. Wow. Well, actually, I think that that's an important thing to comment on, which is ICP has maybe a bigger staff than they used to, but it's definitely powered by a lot of volunteers and volunteer committees now. Yes, it is. Um, although, honestly, we I've been putting a little emphasis on growing the staff side and the paid side because... Life is more complicated now than it used to be there. Mm. There are a lot more moving parts, and there's a lot more um, from sponsorship, for example, that that really takes someone on duty behind the scenes all the time. So mm. where the membership comes in is, you know, so many of our members are are just industry leaders at the top of their game, and so they they appear as the speakers and the presenters, and, you know, the, the, the more visible side, the... The paid staff is the, the machine behind the, you know, don't look, don't look behind the curtain because you'll you'll see us. <laughs> well, I, I thought you, you both of us have brought up Anne Willen, who, for full disclosure, is not only the founder of Lava and Cooking School, she's also my mother-in-law, and also how I met Julia Child, just as um, I think you might have. Um, but I was asking Anne about um, who was for many years the president of IACP and held many other roles, um, what Julia's role was. And, you know, she had said that by, I think, IACP was started in 78, and that was actually b- before Anne started, but Julia was already involved, but in mostly a figurehead way. She was kind of like a chief cheerleader. But what Anne said was that basically Julia was committed to IACP's success and also to having this kind of group for professional food writers. So basically she was an open book and made herself completely available to IACP and just said, when you need me, tell me what you need and I'll be there. And she was, and she was a fixture at conference for Anne feels like 20 years from from, um, the late 70s until Julia retired in 2000. 
And I, what struck me the most about what Julia said that I think is emblematic of the value of ICP in the conference for, for everybody, but in this case specific to Julia, was that Julia always had time and made time to talk to anyone who wanted to talk to her, particularly at a ICP event or at the many conferences she attended. And I think even beyond Julia, there, there are many well-known food personalities who um, – both writers and TV presenters and editors who and agents even who do the same thing. Um, would you say that's still true? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. She, I would witness that from afar, you know, come into the, the giant convention center breakfast hall and there would Julia would just go in and sit at a table with, you know, with whoever members or if someone came and wanted to sit next to her, she was, always so open and gracious and really set the tone for that, um, you know, democratic, open, non-clicky kind of, kind of a, a vibe that ICP still carries on. Um, she really was an inspiration, not just in terms of, wow, what a career, um, but, but mostly in how to behave as a really respectful and kind member of our community. Um, and that, you know, that, that legacy carries on, but yeah, I think that there are there are a lot of people who are well, Anne Willen for one, um, who you know they, they rose to a place of prominence and they just decided to give back. They didn't necessarily need IACP in order to get a book deal anymore, but but <laughs> they were invested in the same way um, and would show up and be available for for guidance and advice and inspiration and and fun. I have to say, by the way. We have a lot of fun. Well, I was just going to say that I think Julia and Anne and, and Jacques Pepin and um, Rick Bayless, many of the people that I was used to seeing, they came for the camaraderie. Like you said, it was fun. It's the, their favorite subject. It's their chosen profession. They learn things and they enjoyed hearing things. And as as we'll get into later, there's a lot of fun events that, that happen during conference and throughout the year. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really kind of congenial industry. Um, and, you know, there's competition in some, of course, there's competition as with anything else. But uh, getting back to Julia, I think that tone that was set of, like, the reason we're here is to support each other at whatever level we need. Um, and it works. You know, you can call any, you can just go through the directory and call someone you don't know who is a member and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm working on a project. I have a question about such and such. I thought you might know. And, and people are always willing to help. It's quite remarkable. That's super. I mean, looking back, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the 40th anniversary, but from what you know or from the time you joined, we talked a little bit about the rise of blogging and food photography. Are there other things that you think have really changed or evolved or even, as we were just talking about, stayed the same? It's not, you know, I think we were just saying the camaraderie aspect has sort of been there from the beginning. Julia and Jacques were very helpful in setting the tone as those kind of people and it sounds like you feel like that's really carried on. I do feel like that's carried on. I, I think something that um, something else that has changed, and it's one of those double-edged swords. Some people are upset about it, and others are seeing it as an opportunity. Which is, you know, publishing is changing. Those the, the big behemoth magazines and the power of the magazine editor, etc. That's all kind of changing, I won't say crumbling, I don't want to freak any of my magazine members out, but, <laughs> it, you know, the the, gatekeepers, the, stock there's, the gatekeepers are off-duty right now, right? And mm. so there's so many more opportunities for creative and talented and motivated people to to do something, you know, to get a book, to self-publish, to, to do some cool um, YouTube video channel, etc. So, so it's almost like the opportunities have just exploded geometrically, and so IACP's value is even greater because there's so many more people who have access to doing things. You know, it's um, it's really it's really exciting, and it's quite amazing to see how much talent there is out there that maybe you wouldn't have had a voice before. So there are many, many more voices, and I think that that extends into you know who are the people in IACP, the whole you know, issue of diversity and where people are coming from, what their background is. Um, we're, we're seeing a, you know, a more and more diverse membership, which is really exciting. 
Well, yeah, no, and I think that that also speaks to ICP's value and what we're talking about is at the same time everything's become more egalitarian, it's also become a lot more, even on the publishing side, do it yourself. But of course, as you and I both know from the editorial side, there's a lot of training that went into understanding how publishing and editing and journalism works. And if you're, if the, there are many fewer opportunities to start there, well, where do you get that training to be your own publisher, editor, photographer, promoter? You you need, you know, that's disappeared. It comes from the expertise you can tap in a, in a group like IACP. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to hear more from Martha about the 40th anniversary plans, and Martha is going to tell us whether joining the IACP could be right for you. We'll be right back. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. As a veteran of many IACP conferences, I can attest to the enriching experience of getting hundreds of like-minded and also diverse food professionals together in one place. It's an excellent forum, as Martha said, for networking and expanding your horizons, and the milestone anniversary only adds to the excitement. So, Martha, tell us more about what's in store specifically for the 40th anniversary celebration at this year's conference in New York City. Lots of great things, as you said, Todd. Um, we, I'm so excited about the presenters. You know, every year I'm like, ah, oh, it's the best lineup ever and the best sessions <laughs> ever. And, in fact, we're outdoing ourselves this year. Um, we have about, gosh, about 150 different presenters. Um, some of the names include Kim Severson of the New York Times, who I know is a guest of yours not long ago. Episode two, if you didn't have a chance to listen, Kim is always a terrific speaker and always worth seeing multiple times. Kim is amazing. She, you know, she's the, a food reporter and does lots of other real serious journalism with the Times, but she's just so engaging and smart and always had such a cool outlook on things. So she's going to be um, emceeing uh, one of our keynote addresses in the morning. Um, Dory Greenspan, who just is sort of a, follows in that mold of Julia and Anne, you know, she's She's an American who is a complete Francophile and lives part of the time in France and is a wonderful French cooking expert and is just delightful. Um, we have Ed Lee, who is a super cool chef in Louisville, who actually our, our conference was in Louisville last year. So I love that continuity. And then it just the rest is sort of like a who's who of all the editors and publishers from big magazines, Food and Wine, we've got Eater, Food 52, all, all of the people that, you know, you want to hear from because they're kind of on the forefront doing things. So excited about that. We have Gail Simmons as our awards MC because as we'll talk about, I believe, in a second, I have some fun things to say about our awards program, but Gail Simmons is um, going to be our MC. Joe Yonan is the Washington Post food editor and and so much more. He's just a delightful personality, and he's sort of, he's a real friend of IACP, so he's also going to be helping out with awards. Wow, this is a, yeah, no, a terrific lineup of exactly who you want to hear from, who are all, I think, a great collection of some of the most um, important voices in, in, in the food world, whether as a collective publication or as an author or writer. Absolutely, and what's interesting, and I am surprised that I'm saying this, but what I'm loving is that um, there's so many young people. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, you, you, any organization has to really just like keep the flow moving and bring in younger members and, you know, people in their 
30, early 30s are in play, positions of important, you know, influence and power in the industry. So we've got a lot of cool people with fresh perspective and, you know, up with the latest. Um, and then veterans like me, of course, you know. Um, but but something I'm excited about, Todd, is that, you know, while IACP is not like an advocacy group, it, it, we really do focus on what I said before, so communication skills, Um we are going to be touching on some, some interesting and controversial sort of social issues because it's important for us to, you know, think about the milieu and the society that we're working in. So a couple of our um, sessions are going to focus on this notion of cultural appropriation, which people are mm. so interested and, in, you know, trying to do the right thing, but it's such a complex issue, especially if you're, you know, for example, a cookbook writer and, you're from the United States, but you're writing a book on Burma. You know how, how do you how do you access and represent a culture that's not your own? Um, mm. You know, race is a big issue. The, the, our you know our group is generally a lot of non people of color, and lately we've been you know reaching out and um, and getting a lot of interesting members coming in and finding us and and just looking at those issues of like, well, where are the where are the African Americans in publishing, et cetera? So, so we're going to have some really cool um, conversations in our general sessions, and then um, a new feature that we've never had, and hopefully we will continue. But it's so important that because this is our 40th anniversary, is StoryCorps, thanks to the Julia Child Foundation, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I want to tell tell our listeners what because um, StoryCorps is its own entity, and you're bringing StoryCorps to the conference, right? That's correct. StoryCorps is that amazing entity that um, basically documents everyday life through oral history. You know, you hear it on public radio, two people will get together and they'll talk about some aspect of their life, and darn it, if I don't start crying after every single one, (laughs) they're so powerful and moving and simple, and they're they're archived in the... um, the Library of Congress, you know, as a real artifact of our culture. And um, and so StoryCorps is going to be coming physically to the Hilton for the conference and set up a booth with their technician. And we're going to have teams of ICP members talking about, you know, their life with ICP, what it did, what the cool moments were, you know, how it affected their own careers, um, and how it affected the food industry, you know, we, we did have a big influence on how people cook and eat and watch food TV and all the things that we take for granted now. So, so that will be taking place live at the conference. And then StoryCorps has a cool app. So, cause everything has an app now, right? Uh, um, yeah. they have an app that all of us can access and, you know, share our own stories it also will be part of this bank of information and archival materials. So it's it's really brilliant, and people are going to be so thrilled to be part of it now, and then to you know to go back and listen and check in with it later on. Great, that sounds exciting. We're all looking forward to to the outcome and and what StoryCorps puts together. I wanted to ask you about the Cookbook Awards because you, you and I are both intimately familiar with 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 them, but I think that may not be universally true as well known as they are amongst QuickBook writers, but I thought maybe we could do that in the context of kind of our mutual exciting announcement about the new collaboration between ICP, the Culinary Trust, the nonprofit arm of IACP, and the foundation in connection with the IACP Julia Child First Book Award. So maybe you could just briefly fill everyone in on what the awards are and why they're significant, and then also what what this new um, offer we've come up with. Yes, well, we have annual awards Cookbooks are the big, the big exciting element. Um, they're also digital media, food writing, and photography awards as part of that. And you know, it really is to honor the work and and creativity and talent that goes into producing a book, not just from the author, but from the publisher and the you know photographer, illustrator, recipe developers, all that. So our awards have been going on, I believe, for the forty years. That the association has been in existence. Um, it's very, you know, it's highly structured, very uh, tons of integrity in the process. We have judges who are from the industry 
Um, we have, I think there are 18 different categories of cookbooks. So everything from general and American and baking um, to first book, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But publishers and authors submit. Um, the competition is intense. It really is. Sometimes you'll, you'll get down to the three semifinalists, and they're all just amazing books, any one of which deserves to get a lot of recognition. So um, it's exciting. People pay attention. The media, we just had um, an event in New York where we announced the semifinalists, and we had a room full of media, and they were, you know, putting it out on their websites as soon as they could get the information, because people do really care about who's being honored. Well, and the awards have quite a track record of integrity and are, you know, being judged by the top people in the profession. And it's a very thorough process. So just as many people might be familiar with James Beard giving cookbook awards, IACP's food writing awards are just as prestigious and just as sought after and I think are just as as satisfying, if not more, for, for, for the recognition of, you know, joining the ranks of the best writers and the food writers in the world. Oh, absolutely. Um, and people, you know, People submit to both. We have we have exactly the same kind of response um, from publishers as the Beard Foundation does. Um, it, you know, if you are a writer or photographer, etc., you're you're gunning for an ICP award. You're really hoping that you're going to have that to to put on your wall and to put on the books. You know, when when books win, publishers quickly order gold seal from us that they can put on the physical copies of the books because it it really helps you stand out from a very crowded field. I mean, there are, you know, a thousand cookbooks published every year. We, we get more than 500 entries in our contest every year. So there are a lot of, a lot of good books and that you need to try to rise above and get some attention. No, I know there's that kind of marketplace marketplace confusion about that oh, the cookbook categories, it continues to expand, which is really true, but it's kind of expanding because there's more entrance than ever. So standing apart is even more important and more difficult than it, than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. And what's, what's really cool is it's not just, you know, the usual suspects who will win an award, not just the major publishers or the big, big names. Um, we've had some really interesting books, you know, self self-published books that just came out of nowhere that were fantastic. Last year we had um, um, Vivian Howard who has a book called Deep Run Roots and she like swept the um, swept the awards. I think she may have even won a first book award. Um, but, you know, she was someone who, you know, was fairly well known but had never published a book before and the first book came out it was just so well done that it just it ran. It won in four different categories. No, that's always the excitement of the egalitarian process, and I've certainly sat there having worked on a book project only to be um, upstaged by some upstart no one had ever heard of, but had been submitted, and because the judging is very fair, had this book comes out of nowhere and 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 either wins the category or even sweeps, and everyone's like, wow. Yeah, 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 and that just you know, well, that's part of the excitement, and that's part of the the power that the association has, which is to to find talent, you know, in a neutral way, um, regardless of reputation and give, give people the opportunity to, to rise up and get that, um, get the status that they deserve. So let's talk about the, the new offering, um, with the Julia Child first book award. Well, so as you know, Julia was very, very, very encouraging and supportive of new, writers, of people coming into the field and finding their voice and finding their footing. And so we've had um, a category that was called the Julia Child First Book Award, and you could only enter it if everyone involved in the project, you as the author, and if you had a co-author, both of you had to be, you know, never have published a book before. Um, and it's, you know, the, the topic of the book could be anything you wanted, but you, that was the that was the um, indicator for that category. So we've had that. It's been wonderful. Tons of great books have come out of it. And this year, thanks to the generosity um, of the Jewel Chat Foundation, the the winner of this award is going to get an, 
a massive and fantastic grant, a cash grant of $5,000. Um, and that money is intended to help them, you know, use the award as a springboard and then be able to launch right into their next project or into a, a project that maybe they wouldn't have been able to afford to go into, but now they've got this um, financial support from the foundation. So it's really exciting. Our other awards don't have monetary prizes. It's, it's the glory alone. And now we have the glory, we have the imprimatur of Julia Child, and we have the cold hard cash. Well, and I think just as we've been talking about the whole episode, it was really important to Julia to help foster other people along the way. And the first book award was designed to recognize people who were, um, you know, hitting it hard right out of the gate as a way to encourage them on. And as as you said, with the disintegration of the traditional media world, finding ways to keep people going amongst a much more complex um universe, we just thought, well, this is a great way to really help because book advances, particularly for cookbooks, aren't what they once were in a much more crowded marketplace. And also sometimes the next project now, it doesn't even have to be a a book to still be impactful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the financials of book publishing are as with everything, you know, more tighter and tighter and more and more difficult. Um, and, and also in terms of promoting your book, you know, you can have a great book, but if you can't get it out there to sell. So I could imagine some people may be able to use this sort of as on the tail end of their book project and, um, and help get out there, help build their, their platform, which is really important to getting the next deal. But, you know, I could see somebody taking the money and using it, um, to research their next topic, you know, go, go on a trip to the country that's been intriguing them or, you know, take some time off and dig into that baking project um, until they're ready to write a book. So it's uh, that amount of money can really go a long, long way to, to pushing forward somebody's, somebody's dreams, really. Well, also say congratulations to you on your own nomination as a co-author. You'll be sweating it out with everyone else in the room uh, the evening of the awards. And um, I, I wanted to um, ask you as kind of a last question before we move on to your Julia moment after the break, what we've talked a bit about it, but maybe if you could just sum up who should really think about joining IACP and or coming to an IACP conference and is it better to come to conference first and then join or does it make any difference? What What's your advice on who should really think seriously about it and how should they do it? Right. Well, my advice is if you are in the, you know, the food communication world and you're kind of wanting a little bit of a turbocharge, you know, you're, you're obviously a great candidate. Um, especially if you're not in a major market, you know, you're not in New York city where you have other ways to access your peers, um, in the industry. So, you know, anybody who's working as a, a food writer or a photographer who wants to get into food, that type of person definitely should come to conference. Um, but I also think it can really be just life-changing. If you're someone who's been thinking about it, you know, you've got a, you're a chef and you've got a cookbook idea or, or you're someone who's been blogging, but you really would like to turn it into, see if you can make some money or turn it into something more serious. So, but you think, uh, I'm not really a professional yet. Maybe I'm not going to be welcome, but you would be welcome. It's a, it's a great place to just immerse yourself, you know, it's a total immersion because you're surrounded by people who are doing what you want to do. And sometimes you don't even know what you want to do. You don't know all the various niches and, you know, opportunities that are, that are out there until you actually encounter them. So, so I'd say somebody, you know, who, who just has a dream of being in this world should come. And it's, and I don't say that lightly because it is an investment, you know, you pay for conference, you pay to travel, you pay for your hotel. Um, and of course you're going to go out to dinner a little bit. So it's an investment, but, but I definitely think it's worth it if you're, you know, thinking of putting your toe in. And then also, you know, if you're, if you're already working, everybody needs to, to, to come to ICP. 
Well, I think though those are great message points about turbocharging your career, or if you're not yet sure you have a career, coming to an environment to really discover what you can make of it or what it can be. And either way, it's an investment in yourself that can really pay off. And sometimes it's a wake-up call, too, you know, because just like any profession, it's a lot of hard work. And you got to, you know, you got to... You've got to get some skills, and you've got to be determined, and you've got to work really hard. And so the the, um, the la-la dream of, I'm going to write a cookbook, and everything's going to be wonderful. Once you sit in a panel on, like, how to put together a cookbook, how to develop recipes, how to market the book, all that stuff, the, the real nitty-gritty, you know, it's a, it's a reality check, which is absolutely critical if you're going to move forward. You have to know what you're up against. So um, it's important in both an inspirational way and a, you know, let's let's get serious here kind of a way. That, no, that that that's terrific. It's both the the wake up call and the inspiration and the opportunity to turbocharge all of that. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Martha's going to reveal her personal Julia moment. We'll be right back. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we segue into our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she has inspired them in their career. So, Martha, what's your Julia moment? Well, my Julia moment is kind of a Julia and Anne Willen moment, which is particularly fun to share with you since you're so close to Anne Willen. Um, I had been working in Colorado in a little restaurant, and I decided I needed to learn how to cook. So I got an internship with Lava Ren, and I was going to work for a year at Ann Willen's editorial office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I basically had chucked my life in Colorado. I had left my job. I left my apartment. I left my friends, moved to D.C., uh, was kind of wondering, like, what have I gotten myself into? You know, what's going to happen here? And the first day that I was in Ann's office working as editorial assistant, phone rang, and hello, Ann Willen's office, can I help you? And there was Julia Child on the other end saying, you know, hello, <laughs> may I speak with Ann, please? I was like, holy cow, this is good. <laughs> this is, you know, I've just stepped into this world where my heroes are all around me, and it was really exciting and reassuring. Well, like you were saying about IACP, you were suddenly like, this is real. Yes. Definitely. This is real and this is good. You know, it was, it was such a great experience. And, you know, I did, uh, I would see Julia from time to time at conference and of co- and at other places at the Greenbrier, I remember in particular, um, just watching her interact with people and not even, not even other food writers, like the guy who carried her bags up to her hotel room at the Greenbrier. You know, I talked to him later and he was just, just, Walking on air, he said, you know, she was so nice, and she talked to me about my career in the hotel business, and she asked me about my wife and kids, and, you know, knowing Julia, it was all so sincere and coming from a place of, you know, of curiosity and respect, and um, so that was just always so fun to see. Well, that that goes to both, you know, how how she was inspirational because she cared about other people, but also what we've been talking about, that ICP also is this embodiment and representation of camaraderie 
in the industry and how important that can be to motivating you onwards in a career. And so on that note, Martha, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's fun to talk about Julia and IACP. Likewise. So thanks everyone else for listening. Let us know what you think about today's show. You can reach us by email or even send us a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. We're also on Instagram. Search Julia Child Foundation, all one word. You can like us on Facebook. Search at Julia Child. You can follow the foundation on Twitter. Our handle is at Julia Child JCF, and I'm at T Shulkin, T-S-C-H-U-L-K-I-N. To learn more about the IACP and the 40th Anniversary Conference in New York City, go to IACP.com. You can follow Martha on Twitter and Instagram. Search at Martha Holmberg. Holmberg is H-O-L-M-B-E-R-G. You can follow IACP on Facebook. Search IACP, the International Association of Culinary Professionals. Their Twitter handle is at IACP Culinary. And Instagram, it's at IACP P-I-X. If you can't get to conference, following on social media is another great way to join in. Thanks to WGBH for the Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe. If you like the podcast, please give us a review. That really helps new listeners discover the show. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.